I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, so funny moment happening after practice on, I guess it would have been Thursday. You know, they, they bring Todd Bowles to us after practice and sort of what is now a media tent for training camp. And then um, after that, we were to get Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask sort of in that order. And so Bowles had left the podium. And, of course, you know, there's questions every day about the quarterback battle and that sort of thing. And so just as Mayfield is sitting down, Bowles is wandering off and he shouts to Mayfield, Hey, Baker, are you the starter? And it was it was sort of like shocking but funny at the same time and Mayfield gave it sort of this big laugh and then kind of wiped the grin off literally with a with a towel and said well you know and I and I shouted out we'll start with his first question <laughs> you can answer his question or something about that and he's like ah you know I work out it's one day at a time right now and so on and he kind of he kind of uh, skimmed through it here's my question Steve do you think and maybe he would, but do you think if Kyle Trask had been up first that Todd Bowles says that? Not a chance. <laughs> Why? <laughs> One, Baker's a little more media savvy or at least experienced in handling the media and handling those kind of moments. It's not going to rattle him, right? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Baker stars in commercials and, and all this yeah. other stuff. I mean, like, you know he could handle that. Sure. Two, Baker's been a starter before in the NFL. That's true too. Yeah. Kyle Trask has not, mm-hmm. and and Baker can play that answer off. There's no good way for Kyle to answer that question <laughs> coming from his head coach. Just to be nervous would be about all he could do, right? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing, nothing nervous good could laughter. come out of him answering that question. Right, right. No, it was a funny moment, and it was organic, which was kind of nice. And sometimes you you fall into those. And I'm writing about the quarterback battle. For Sunday's uh, Tampa Bay Times, the print section, you'll also see it online on tampabay.com. There's a version of that online now. Um, but, you know, the, the entire preseason is going to be seen through the prism of this of this quarterback battle. And then, like we've said, there hasn't been one of these in a very long time. I mean, I think it wasn't really a battle, but you got to go back to Josh McCown against Mike Glennon, I think. Um you know, in 2014 uh, under Lovey Smith. And then we talked about Winston the year he was suspended. It wasn't really a battle because he was un- unavailable the first three weeks. Um, Todd Bowles has had these as well. He had it with the Jets. 2015, there was, you know, he brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick, Geno Smith, kind of got knocked out, literally. Uh, he took himself out because of a, uh, uh, he was injured by a teammate in the preseason. Um, but even Bowles said, because I asked him, I said, is anything to be gained by having a quarterback? He goes, no. He goes, there's nothing to be gained by having a quarterback competition. You know that both quarterbacks can throw the football, and but that's just part of it. It's the mental part, the adjustment, audible command, all those things. And so he said, you know, it's just not who went 10 for 14 and who went 6 for 15. You know, like there's a lot to it. And you, you, you've got to know when to have the guts to go for something, when not to, and 
You gotta um, you gotta have Moxie. Moxie, right? You're, that's what he's describing. He's looking for Moxie, and the guy that he describes as having Moxie is Baker Mayfield, and it always keeps coming back to the same thing: that in week one, um, you just you just wonder what kind of a night's sleep Todd Bowles would get if, in fact, for whatever reason, maybe Kyle Trask lights it up in preseason. But the fact of the matter is, going into the regular season at Minnesota in September, that Saturday night, if Kyle Trask is your starting quarterback. You don't know what's going to happen the next day. You have virtually no idea. Um, you have wishes. You hope certain things will occur. Your experience might tell you that they should, but you really don't know. And I'm not saying that he's coached Baker before and, and Baker may throw four interceptions the first game if he plays. I don't know. Um, but you certainly have a little better um, comfort level, knowing that the guy has been through these fires, he's had opening days, the nerves aren't going to get to him, he's played in hostile environments, like all this stuff that you just simply cannot give to Kyle Trask. And if your job is depending on it, and it will be, um, it's going to be very difficult. And just sort of the, the repartee between them there, I thought was telling a little bit too. And, and, and having said all that, Trask took the first team reps as we expected, they're going to go back and forth every day. So it was Trask Day on Thursday. Um, he played pretty well right up until the point where Cervacia Dennis <laughs> intercepted the ball in the end zone and would have ran it back 100 yards. Um, and that's a good play on, on uh, Cervacia's uh, standpoint. And Mayfield threw a pick as well later down there. Um, neither team scored in the two-minute drills. I mean, you know, it's a back and forth. And they're still in, they're still in the ramp-up phase. They're shorts and T-shirts. It's not really football per se. Um, but this, this quarterback battle is the entire training camp, if you want to call it that. And again, I credit Trask for coming a long way. He's lost weight. He's lighter on his feet. He has to be because in this offense, it's all about the quarterback's feet, uh, as well as, you know, getting to certain launch points and, um, you know, uh, they're both having their moments. Um, certainly they're better when they play. And this is the other thing that came up was, you know, Kyle hasn't thrown the ball to Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. And those guys make a lot of quarterbacks look good. And they're starting to make Kyle Trask look good. And and Kyle is very appreciative of that opportunity because, you know, he, the guy he knows the best is Devin Tompkins, who's very fast and should be used more, should have been used more last year um, and is making plays out there. But he just he doesn't have a rapport, really any more rapport with, with Mike and Chris than, than Baker Mayfield did when the – when the off season started. So, um, there's a lot going on out there. Um, you know, guys made plays, you know, I thought that the tight ends look good. Um, you know, they've added speed. The defense is, is fast. They, they, they had some turnovers on Thursday that they were able to create. And, you know, it's like anything there's when you're playing against each other, um, it's, it's always mixed emotions if you're a head coach, because, for everything good that happens on one side of the ball, that means something probably not so good happened on the other side, um, unless you just you know fight to a draw every day, which is not going to happen. But um, you know, I, I thought I thought for the most part it was it was you know they're going to stack these days, and in a couple of days uh, they'll be in they'll be in pads, and that's when we're going to be able to see uh, where football games are won and lost, um, you know, sort of up front in in the trenches, so to speak. Um, they didn't suffer an injury. By the way, I texted you. This was scarier than hell. So I'm sitting around and I'm writing some stories, and then all of a sudden they put out this video. Did you see this? Uh, I think I sent it to you 
uh, of Joe Burrow um, kind of rolling out of the pocket, a non-contact injury, and he, his leg kind of buckles there. Mm-hmm. Well, he was wearing a sleeve mm-hmm. on that leg, which he didn't do the day before. Yeah. And the writers and, and people covering the team had noticed that before he went down. Yeah. And then he went down. Now, Zach Taylor afterwards said it's a calf injury. Joe Burrow did kind of give a thumbs up as he was on the cart. Right. So they're hopeful it's nothing serious, but but that would be a huge blow to the Bengals if he can't go. It's almost a year to the day that he uh, suffered an injury last year. Last year he had an appendicitis. Yep. That's appendicitis. right, appendicitis, yep. yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. So almost a year to the day. The, the, that particular day of the calendar does not work for him very well. Um, but, yeah, that, you, you just never – and this is the thing. I mean, I always said this, that, you know, they used to have six weeks of training camp and, you know, three-a-days and all this stuff, which was unnecessary. Um, I think a lot of this is unnecessary. I think players these days – with the OTAs, you know, the mini camps, and they work out all off season. They don't get back into shape. They stay in shape for the most part, mm-hmm. if that's your job. And I, and I always, always hate the preseason and practices because inevitably, some really good football players and usually even some quarterbacks are going to get are going to get hurt. And it is it is a part of the game, um, but you know, you still. Well, I mean, there's I, certain work has to be done, but it's still it's it's gut wrenching mm-hmm. when it happens. The preseason's still important, but it's not necessarily important to Joe Burrow or That's right. to Josh Allen or Patrick That's Mahomes. Right. That's right. But guys mm-hmm. number fifty, fifty one, fifty two on the roster, sure. and guys oh, number yeah. fifty six, fifty seven, fifty eight battling for spots. And mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as much as people want to say just get rid of the preseason, the preseason has value to yes. a lot of players. Has yes. values to the organizations and coaches. It sure. may not. You may not want to spend the money on the tickets, which is fine. You don't need. You don't have to go spend the money unless you're a season ticket holder. They make you buy it. But, yeah, that's going to say you're spending it anyway. Yes, but you know there is value to it, but not necessarily for Mike Evans or Chris right. Godwin. I mean, they're in shape. Exactly. They, I mean, you know, players. You know, twenty, thirty years ago, they used the three a day practices for three weeks to get in shape. To get in shape, yeah. You know, much mm-hmm. like you know, hockey has morning skates. Because coaches didn't want players out drinking all night long, <laughs> so make them come to the rink in the morning and skate to make sure they I weren't. Got news. I got news for them. <laughs> well, but but you hope they drank a little less, and so <laughs> That's true. you know, and drink enough to get up in the morning and go to the morning enough, skate. Enough yeah. to get, and so that by that evening for the game, you're fine. Sure, you know, not still hungover at you know seven o'clock at puck drop. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that was the case. Um, you know, in in the NFL too, like back in the day. Um, you know, like Chuck Knoll would recognize that players like to use Thursday nights as their night out. That's sort of been the NFL tradition of night out, right? Boys night out. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, quarterbacks taking the offensive lineman out. And it still is to some degree Thursday night. Um, but Noel would say, let's let the guys sleep in till noon. We won't pry, we won't show up till noon the next day. Not anymore. <laughs> now they want you there crack oh dawn because they don't want guys staying out if they go out. You know, if you go out, you got to get back in. Same thing with Saturday morning walkthroughs. Do the walkthroughs have to be at the crack of dawn? No. But guess what? If they're if you're at home and you're not going to spend the night, you eat, and I'll get to the hotel at home, which I think is ridiculous. But um, if you're at home and it's a Friday night, they know it's Friday night, just like you do, and they don't want their guys going out till two, three in the morning. So they have a morning walkthrough very early that you have to be at the facility on Saturday morning. Same, same kind of idea. And then of course there's the, the famous somebody one day decided to, uh, 
put all their players in a hotel room the night before the game so they could be present and accounted for on Sunday. Uh, and that became a thing, which I, if you're, if you're a professional football player, I know what happens, but if you're a professional football player and you play one day a week, don't you think it's, it's incumbent on you if you care about your career at all that, that maybe you get to bed and will be at the, at the stadium the next morning when you're supposed to be? It's just, it's weird to me, but that's what they do. So. Well, but they're young kids. I mean, think back to when you yeah. were. I know. 21, 22, 25. I, I mean, know. I mean, I could go out drinking and still perform at work the next day. I mean, I wasn't yeah. an athlete needing, you know, my body to be the finest tune. No, that's true. For my job. That's true. But, yep. you know, now if I went out and tried to do the same thing and go to work mm-hmm. the next day, it'd be, a, it'd be a rougher day. Yeah. No, they're protecting their, they're, they're protecting their investment and their investment is the players, you know, and they need an outcome and they need the best outcome. So they're going to put them in a position um, to be ready to go uh, in their in their best uh, best shape, and so that's why they I mean, do it. That's part of the reason that they have OTAs and mini camps and, and programming essentially year round for these players is to make sure they keep coming in and checking in, and mm-hmm. you know they don't want it to be okay. You're done in you know early to mid January, and we we'll see you in August. See you in August. Yeah, it's they don't want that at all, and that's one of the reasons they have all these programs. I mean, they'll couch it as coaching and installs and this and, and those are all important things but yeah. a lot of it is just to make sure that the players are, are staying in shape doing the right thing and, and being able to check in on them oh but it was glorious when there was an, an nfl with no otas let me just say that it was uh it was good times but it also wasn't so much fun when they had three days. i was gonna so say yeah three days yeah. in this heat you're not missing that no there's a there's a there's definitely a, a push pull here uh and overall i think the players certainly have a much better life um, than, than former players used to. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it'll, it'll, it's always going to evolve. It's always going to change. Um, but the main thing is that uh, with, with respect to Burrow, and I was just relieved it's a calf muscle. looks like he has a calf strain or caps, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. something to do with his calf, which when you see those non-contact injuries, I immediately think it's an ACL because you've seen a lot mm-hmm. of ACLs go when, when there's no contact. Like that's the scariest thing is when a guy goes down and he's not hit, right? That means mm-hmm. that something has gone wrong in there. But um, hopefully it was just just that, like a, a cramp, a strain, uh, or whatnot. But if he was wearing a sleeve, then I think he was probably aware of that something was not feeling good when he went out there. Um, you just don't know. So be good to see uh, good to see Joe Cool come back if uh, if he's not knocked out. I don't want to see a superstar like that get knocked out. All right, we got mailbag questions coming your way, um, and we'll get to those here in just a minute. But first, you already know it's hurricane season in Florida. Uh, the good news is that you can keep the power on without breaking the bank, and that's with solar battery backup power. There is no fuel cost to run it, no loud generator noise, no annual maintenance cost, and May Electric Solar offers a 15-year warranty on their solar battery backup. Plus, solar battery backup saves you hundreds of dollars each month. If you lose your power, a generator can, a generator can cost over $2,000 a week just to run. Solar battery backup systems qualify for a 30% tax credit for new systems and for adding a, ba- adding a battery to your existing Enphase solar system. Trust the pros in solar to learn more about May Electric's solar battery backup or to get started Call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, we got some mailbag questions on this uh, Friday. Let's get started. All right, Scott had tweeted us. He says, with Ryan Jensen not having surgery, struggling in the last game of the season, and still not 100% fit, 
Do you think he can last the entire season? Well, I've said it. I, I don't um, quite understand how this whole thing came together in the first place. I mean, um, and I'm not against new medical treatments and things like this. I'm certainly not in that field, and I know that, that the technology changes every day. But it seems to me that if you had three torn knee ligaments, um, that the, there obviously is, is instability there. And, again, we'll learn more about what Ryan did uh, using stem cells or whatever he did to, to, to treat the knee without surgery. He was able to play in the wild card game. That's not insignificant. Um, you know, injured the second day. In fact, it was a year anniversary yesterday. Uh, that he was injured, um, and you know, and he made it back for the for the wild card game. I don't think he played particularly well. I don't think anybody did, and it's but it was absolutely remarkable. And he's tough as hell that he was out there. Now we're you know seven eight months removed from that game, and he is still not practicing uh, in team situations. He went out the first day and did some individual drills, and he took he took Thursday off altogether. And and we asked Todd Bowles about it. And he goes, "Well, we got a program. We're trying to, you know, trying to put him in the best possible position." Now, I don't think Ryan Jensen needs reps per se. Like, I don't, I don't. He's played a lot of football in his career. He's sort of towards the end of it now. Um, and he needs, you know, he he takes snaps with Baker and does a lot of stuff on the side. So whenever he's ready, he's ready. The goal would be obviously the first week in Minnesota. I mean, that's what that's what everything is about right now. Having said that, um. Yeah, I'm I'm skeptical about. I'm a little because I don't know what I don't know. I'm a little skeptical about it. I don't I don't know how you can tear those knee ligaments and have other damage like it was described, um, and not have surgery and still be, uh, still have the stability that you need to be Ryan Jensen, who was you know a Pro Bowl center. I mean that you're hoping he doesn't just play, but you want him to play at the same Pro Bowl level, and I think that's going to be what's going to be telling is okay. So if he plays. What are you getting? You know, um, what is his lateral movement? What is the strength in the knee? Um, but here we are in, in August, and, you know, he's taking it easy. He's he's ramping up slowly. Probably not a bad idea, right? Um, and trying to get ready for the season. But I'm, I'm with a lot of people. There's, I don't know how he's doing it. I'm glad he's able to do it. Um, you know, I think what we have to wait is not whether or not he will play, because we've seen him play. It's just that when he plays this year, if he if he makes it to September, and he goes out there against the Vikings, what kind of Ryan Jensen are you getting? Are you getting the the Pro Bowl version of Ryan Jensen, or are you getting some guy um, who you know may not have the the same strength in his legs or in one knee, um, in the same drive or the same mobility or the same lateral movement? Like those are all important things that we're still going to have to watch and. You know, it's a year after the injury, but there's not been anything done but rehab and, and you know, a very special um, process that he went through that, that we'll probably talk to him about later this week or next. But um, I don't – when guys aren't practicing and guys aren't uh, participating, and this was true of Russell Gage uh, yesterday as well. You know, Russell Gage, they won't tell us what his injury is. It's, it's, it's a leg injury of some kind. could be groin, could be hamstring, could be cat. I don't know. It's somewhere in his leg. He's had some hamstring injuries. Could be anything, right? Um, but none of these guys started on the physically unable to perform list, which means there's an expectation that they're going to practice and practice soon. Russell Gage wasn't out there on Thursday. 
So again, it's not like guy, veteran players or guys coming off injury have to be practicing every single day. They didn't. You know, Chris Godwin a year ago coming off his two knee ligament surgeries, and he had surgery. Um, he he started up slowly. He he ended up doing individual drills, and then there was some seven on seven, and then eventually eleven on eleven, and he started the first game at Dallas, and it was remarkable. So you can ramp these guys up slowly if you want to, and they all have a, a they all have a program. They all have sort of a plan for them, and, and the target date being at Minnesota on September 11th or whatever it is. Um, and so that's what really matters. But I gotta see. I want to see Ryan Jensen when the pads come on. You know, is he gonna hit? Is he is he gonna get out there with pads on? Are they gonna are they gonna go at it on goal line a couple of times? Like, is he is he is he up for that or? Are they just going to keep him out of everything until we get to September? Um, you know, how many preseason games will he play? How many how many series will he be in? I don't know these questions, and I think the more you see of him, probably um, the better you're going to feel about how he's going to be. Um, but right now, they're they're you know really taking it easy, and, and it's a slow ramp up, and they have a plan, and they say, you know, they're gonna they're gonna trust the process. But I don't know um, how he's doing it. I'm glad he's able to do it. I hope he comes back 100%. Um, but if he doesn't, Robert Hainsey is taking the first team snaps right now. That guy looks like he ate Ryan Jensen. He's bulked up like you can't believe. Um, Ryan, uh, Hainsey is a much, much bigger player uh, and not in a bad way. So, you know, in the meantime, Hainsey's getting a lot of reps. And if Jensen can't go, Hainsey has a year of starting under his belt and presumably should be a little bit better. So, um, at least they, you know, at least they're not going to be blindsided. It wasn't like a year ago where Hainsey had never really played center, even though that was his position, but he played some at guard once in a while, but just in mop up duties. So now you've got a guy like Hainsey who has a whole season of starting at center under his belt, has taken the, has taken the off season and changed his body and gotten a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. So, you know, he should be a better version of himself. If in fact he has to play for Ryan Jensen, we just don't know yet. All right, Ellis tweeted us. He says, the NFL Top 100 had Tristan Wirfs ranked 98. On a scale of toes on the line to Antonio Brown's shirtless exit, how absurd is that ranking? Well, listen, I'll say this. The, the players are the ones that rank it, okay? And so I don't think you can be dismissive. Like, he was, I think he was in the 40s a year ago, I want to say. So it's it's a it's a precipitous drop, right, um, from this year to next. But the one thing you have to account for is that every year there's a whole bunch of players that come into this league, and some of them rock it, right? They rock they rock everyone's world, and then you have other players who may have been in the league a year or two, and then they really hit it big their third year or their second year. Um, so obviously you're going to have more and more players competing for those same 100 spots. There's like 1700 or so uh nfl players in the league you know on the on the 53 man roster alone you're talking about 100 spots that's not a lot okay um so i i don't get as caught up in that um you know 98 look if he hadn't made 100 i'd be upset i think the one thing you can say and i don't know this because again you know if the if the question is po- po- posed this way is tristan Wirfs a top 100 player I think most people would say, yeah, he is. I think he gave up five pressures last year, not sacks, pressures, okay? Um, but then they might all, it's individual, right? So if i am got the ballot in front of me or I'm ranking players, I might say to myself, hey, Wirfs is moving to left tackle this year, right? 
Well, I know he's an all-pro at right tackle. I don't know what he's going to be at left tackle, but I still think he's really good. So I'm going to put him. I'm going to put him right around here. Well, and he went from could, he went from being the best right tackle in the game, mm-hmm. pro all pro, mm-hmm. to we're not sure. We think he's going to be a very good left tackle, but you can't call him the best at this point. No, because we don't know, and right. so I think that's a lot of the hesitancy from the players. Yeah, I mean, and and again, we're not in their heads. I mean, some of them may not even realize that he was changing sides. I don't, I don't really know, but I think there's probably some of that, um, and and also, and you can't get around this either. Players and and fans and media love winners, okay? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. You know, it's funny how many Pro Bowl players go from teams that are on the Super Bowl team, um, especially maybe even the next year when maybe they didn't even deserve it. There's a bounce there. The fact of the matter is is that the Bucs, the last two years, haven't advanced past the divisional playoff game. Last year they were beaten soundly by Dallas in the wild card. And they were eight and nine. And so, you know, you got to win, baby. You know, just win, as Al Davis would say. And when you don't, you don't get as much as many flowers. You don't get as much fanfare. Uh, There's other players who are on winning teams that are going to get way more attention, like in Philadelphia, for example. Um, You know, this happens all the time. I remember the year because Ronnie Barber's going in the Pro Football Hall of Fame this next week. Uh, a week from Saturday, and and I was thinking about this, you know, when um, in 2002, um, the Bucks went to Philadelphia to play in the NFC Championship game, and the Pro Bowl voting had already come out several weeks before that. Philadelphia had three Pro Bowl defensive backs, three. And to be honest with you, the Bucks probably should have had three uh, with John Lynch, with Rondé, and uh, Baker, one, one other uh, corner they had. And and none of them made the Pro Bowl. So that, that you know, precipitated the great quote that, that Rondé has after he returns the, uh, the interception 92 yards to seal the victory in Philadelphia. And they go to the sidelines, and he's screaming, blank the Pro Bowl, I'm going to the Super Bowl, damn it, you know. Uh and he was speaking for all his fellow defensive backs as well. But when you win, that's where the attention goes, right? Everybody loves a winner. And so the Bucks won, but did they? Were, were they, you know, were they as dominant? Were they the Super Bowl Bucks? Um, no, they weren't. And they had some national TV games that, frankly, they stunk in. Um, and so, you know, you didn't get that bounce. You didn't get the Brady bounce um, that you got early when he when he came here, and that happens. And so, um, when you don't win, you're you're not going to be as recognized. And I think that's part of it too. All right, Matt had tweeted us. He says, "In your years of covering Bucks training camp and preseason, are there particular years or players that stick out? Was there a player that was really hyped up who turned out to be a bust?" How much time you got? Jeez, <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. There's been there's been players that have been hyped up. I mean, lots of draft picks don't don't always work out. You know, I mean, um, I I can remember many years um, when the Bucks, you know, draft just just wasn't very good, um, and that's one of the reasons why 
you know, they were what they were for so many years until Tony Dungy got here. One of the biggest ones that, and I thought it was it was a shame in a sense, but, um, you know, when Alabama uh, was really, it was roll tide back in the day, and, and of course Ray Perkins had come from there a couple of years earlier, they drafted Keith McCants. And Keith McCants, Steve, might have been one of the greatest college football players I've ever seen. I don't know, if, you don't, probably don't remember him, but he was sideline to sideline, like head, like he was a hunter. You know, this this dude, put him in linebacker, put him at defensive end. It didn't matter what you did with him. Uh, he was just going to see ball, chase ball, get ball. Whether it was the quarterback, the running back, you name it. I mean, what an athlete. And unfortunately for him, he'd gotten hurt in the Iron Bowl against Auburn where he had like 20 tackles. Um, and uh, Ray drafted him. And I remember Ray talking to uh, Mr. Culverhouse. And, and uh, before the draft, I just happened to be eavesdropping a little bit. It helped me. Uh, some, but uh, Ray was telling him, he goes, we're going to play him in linebacker. I know him. He's going to be a good player. We're going to play him in linebacker. They're playing a 3-4 then. Well, Ray got fired. And before uh, before Keith McCants even came here, um, he had had, you know, he damaged uh, some cartilage in his knee uh, in the Iron Bowl in the final uh, Auburn game. And so the Bucks were like, you know what? We drafted you uh, at that time. I think it was sixth overall. And we drafted you, but before you come to training camp, we'd like to get that knee scoped. And he didn't want to, but they did it. And so he showed up. Imagine this. He shows up on crutches to his introductory press conference. <laughs> Guy you've taken fifth overall. And that begged my, one of my better leads. I said he came from Alabama with a bandage on his knee, uh, the old Susanna reference. But, um, but that was a guy that was hyped and should have been and and for many reasons, Ray gets fired. They bring in another coordinator who goes to a 4-3, makes him gain weight, play him at defensive end, and he really, you know, that wasn't his game. Um, and, and so stuff like that would happen all the time. So it, it's, it's a little too, um, you know, I've been here a little too long to go through the whole roster of players, but that one sticks out as far as a bus goes. And there's been a lot of uh, more, many, 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 many others especially when Tony Dungy arrived and, and, and even Sam Weich's last draft, we know he drafted Sapp and Brooks. But, you know, seeing players like Mike Allstott, who they really weren't focused on trying to draft at all, um, and their guy went before him, and they kind of like, all right, let's get the guy from Purdue. I mean, look what Mike Allstott became. Work done. You know, so many people thought that work done, too small, not going to make it in the NFL. I mean, what a player, right, both for the Bucks and and the Falcons. Um you know, so there's there's many many of them. You you just don't know. A lot of it's circumstantial. You go to a bad team if you're a quarterback. We've seen this happen. And it happens over and over again. Um, the worst teams get you know get the number one pick, and you know those guys are you know you 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 can you can ruin a quarterback if you can't protect him early on. Um, if he's on a bad team, you know, uh, and 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 all that stuff has happened here. Um, so. You know, I, I would say Jameis Winston didn't fulfill what they had hoped he would do. And Jameis wasn't a horrible quarterback, but just simply didn't win. And now he's pretty much a career backup, if you will, in New Orleans playing behind uh, Derek Carr. But, like, you know, there was a lot of hopes and expectations tied to number number three. Um, you know, that dude um, won a national championship very young at Florida State. He had Dalvin Cook. He had great players around him. But that was disappointing, you know, in so many ways. And yet he did some good things. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, you know, 
football history is is chock full of examples on both sides of it, and I I'd, I'd need a bunch of podcasts, and maybe we'll do them. <laughs> I need a bunch of podcasts to go over the years and, and tell you what I really think about uh, various players and such. All right, Greg tweeted us. He says, since the Bucks are donning their creamsicle jerseys, I thought I'd ask a throwback question. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite memory covering the Bucks while they were wearing those uniforms? Oof. You know, that's the interesting thing. There weren't many. Um, and I, I find it somewhat fascinating that fans have such an affinity for those uniforms because they were synonymous with the worst franchise, listen to me now, the worst winning percentage in professional sports in North America. I mean, that's the facts, right? Worse than the L.A. Clippers when they were really, really, really bad. Worse than any team uh, around. Um, so there weren't a lot of good memories. And because, you know, for me, this thing turned when Tony Dungy got here. But the first year, they were 1-8. and eight. They finished, I think, 6-10. Uh, and 10. They came on late in the season. You'd see things starting to turn around. The next year, they were in pewter. Um, so they only wore it one season. Um you know, uh, th- there's not a lot of great memories in Creamsicle for the time that I covered the team. I would say, I would say, I, I, I have fond memories of, you know, of uh, young players coming into their own. Like Allstott, you know, to me will forever belongs in Creamsicle. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Brooks and Sapp played in that uniform. You know who played in that uniform? And it was as a throwback uh, situation, but. The last guy to really do it, it's been 10 years, I think, uh, um, is is Levante David, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rondy Barber was wore, wore the orange at one time. He didn't play much, but he wore it. Uh, John Lynch, I think of him. He was here in 90, he was here before Sapp and Brooks. He was here in 94. So John Lynch, to me, is a guy that mm-hmm. I think of in, in orange and cream. And I think it was before you covered it, but I would think the 79 NFC Championship yeah. game, making it oh, there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Leroy Selman in those uniforms. That's, I mean, you know, that was before Williams, you. Leroy Selman, it. Ricky Bell. I was in the stands mm-hmm. for that game. Mm-hmm. I was, I was a fan, and um, that was the first real time that they were relevant, and they went from worst to first. Um, you know, in 1979, only only three, you know, three years or two years after they had, um, you know, gone 0 and 26, uh, there they were. Uh, beating the Philadelphia Eagles, a really good Eagles team with Ron Jaworski, Harold Carmichael, the Angular one, and all this, right? And uh, Dick Vermeil, um, and you had the NFL today with Phyllis George, you know, and um, Brett Musburger and all these guys, Irv Cross, and, and you know, it was a big damn deal at the old Sombrero and, and uh, you know, over there at Tampa Stadium, and, and, and that game was lit. That that. Until they won the Super Bowl, until they really won in Philadelphia and then won the Super Bowl, the highlight of the entire franchise was that NFC divisional game against Philadelphia, which they won, and that advanced them to the championship against the Rams. And unfortunately, um, you know, Doug Williams got hurt early in that game, and they got beat nine to nothing. Uh, that defense was so good, uh, and and so the Rams went on to the Super Bowl and were beaten by Pittsburgh, I believe. But um, yeah, it uh, that that was the highlight of the cream sickles. It really was. That that was that was the zenith, if you will. And and so I didn't cover them, but it's a good memory. And everybody wore orange, and they were proud to wear orange because again, it kind of goes with whether the team's winning or not, you know. Mm-hmm. But there was a long a long time that 
you know, and, and another player I think of is a guy like Paul Gruber. You know, Paul Gruber, had he played on winning teams, would have been to the Pro Bowl about four or five times. I don't think he, he didn't go to any, and he should have. And he's in the ring of honor. He was one hell of a player. But his career was ending just as they were starting to make the playoffs with Dungey. Um, so, yeah, there's that. you're right, though. I think the, the golden era, the golden year for those uniforms was uh, 1979, no question. Now, 20, 30 years from now, will they have throwback uniforms of the alarm clock ones? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Those will be whitewashed from the from the annals of history. I mean, yeah, it's, it's well, they never won in those, so there's no uh, you know, great memories of those. The late great, no, he's not late, but Tom Bassinger is now. Uh, I forget who he works for in Philadelphia, maybe. Um, but he was with us for a long time. He mm-hmm. led the crusade of to get rid of those alarm clock uniforms, and he was right. They were sort of a combination, like it was sort of like softball, if you will. They kind of looked like softball jerseys with. Uh, the multicolored hues and 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 you know, put pewter in the jersey. It just ugh, just wasn't good. wasn't good at all. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, let's switch gears to Rays here. And Tommy tweeted, what do you think the chances the Rays will make a trade before Tuesday? And do you see them going after Marcus Stroman or is he off the table? I don't know what the Cubs want. I think it'd be a fortune for him. I don't know that he's off the table. He has a house here locally. Um, Stroman's had an unbelievable year. I do think that the Rays will look to get at least one guy in the bullpen and, and at least one starter. Um, you know, they've, they've had a number of injuries in the starting staff. Uh, they're very thin. Um, you know, and... and I got to think they're looking Lamar, for a bat, too. And probably looking, yeah, probably looking for a bat. In fact, the offense has been really worse than the pitching of late for sure and that's always been what's gotten them um in trouble in the postseason they just don't score enough runs so yeah all those things right i, I think and you know would you love to have him sure I, I don't know if he's on 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 the market i mean the cubs aren't probably going to the playoffs for sure and um but he seems to love pitching in chicago so i i don't know um but one starter one reliever maybe a bat you certainly need all those things um and then you know they start I guess they start today in Houston. This road trip's going to be tough. Um, nine nine days or nine games, I think. In 10 days. Uh, over 10 days, yeah. And so, you know, coming off, they're still in July. This month can't get over with fast enough, but they're, what, like 5 and 15 or something like that. Um, it's not good. So they need help, and they need help in a big way, and they need it, they need it sooner than later. So. Uh, it would be disappointing, but it takes two, right? It takes two to make a deal. There's other teams looking for players too, mm-hmm. including in the American League East, including uh, Baltimore. By the way, and I know we said the other day that Shohei Atani is is off <laughs> off the uh, market. Have yourself a day. Good lord, what did this guy do in a doubleheader? This is like an American Legion weekend. Right? So game one gets his first complete game shutout in the big leagues. A one hitter. First complete, so he throws a one hitter for nine innings, mm-hmm. okay, and shuts out. Well, play? I think one hundred eleven pitches. They were at Detroit, so you know. at Detroit. I don't care who. Okay, so they played at Detroit. So he goes out there, game one. All right, I'm on the hill. I'm on the bump. 
And I throw a nine-inning, one-hit shutout. Mm-hmm. Pretty damn good. Yep. Normally, you'd get the second game off. But no, 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 not Shohei Otani, who drills not one, but two home runs to increase his <laughs> MLB leading home run total. What's he got now, 40? Uh, I think it's 38-39, that range. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. One day, we will look. They'll do a, a, a behind the music, if you will. But one day, we will look back and say, why didn't we realize how great Otani was? Like, we say it all the time, right? It's like, well, he's on the West Coast. Or, well, you know, I'm telling you. The 30 for 30 will really be, how does Artie Moreno own a team that had <laughs> well, yeah. Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in their primes and did nothing? Well, because I guess because it takes more than seven players. Look, they're they're making deals now. They're making mm-hmm. deals now out there with the Angels, and, and they're going to try to – and the way they're playing – and here's the other thing. And not that Otani was having a bad year because he's not. He's having a great year. He should be in the MVP, hands down. Um, but do you think maybe he's been buoyed by the fact that the Angels have said we're not trading you? And furthermore, Moreno's gone out there, and now they're starting to get players around – more players around him to try to make that playoff push. I'm wondering why they didn't start this years ago. <laughs> seeing, well, the way, yeah. seeing the way he's responding to it. Why did it have to come to this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you got a good wife, bring her, you know, buy her some a necklace or something once in a while. Yeah, it's just, it, it, I don't know why it's taken this long, um, but it, never too late. Um, and look, I, the money's going to be huge wherever he goes, right? And he may just decide, I'm one out of the Angels. I've been with that organization. I don't trust him. But if, 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 if they can put enough players around him, Who's to say they can't make a run in the American League this year? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the National League is really, really strong. It might be harder over there. Look, last year think... the Phillies were the last team to get in the playoffs. They went to the World exactly. Series. And, and I think the American League is sort of that way this year, right? Like, you, know, you got your Houstons and, um, you know, but is there any real, like, singularly dominant team in the American League? It was the race for a while. Um, but if Baltimore gets in the postseason, I'm, I, I think they're really, really good. I don't know if they're going to the World Series this year. I don't know that. I mean, yeah, the you Angels know, so. are three back of the wild card. Now, granted, there's two other teams that got to jump to get there, including the Red yeah. Sox and Yankees. But right. But in that division, you yeah, you can make the playoffs. And then once you get in, you got Otani I mean, going every four to five days in the bump. And if Trout's right. back healthy, and what would Otani and Trout do with the with the the juice and the and and the limelight of the playoffs of the postseason after all these years? They might really be invigorated to the point where, you know, they could catch fire and and, and go all the way to the World Series. So, um, love to see it. I hope I hope they make the postseason because it's great for baseball for him to be playing in it. Um, and if they do, it'd be nice to see him make a, a deep run. But um, but you mean, what a day, right? Like that's that's stupid. That's like. That's a little league day, right? Mm-hmm. You come home and you go, "How'd you do?" Oh, I hit a couple home runs and I threw a I threw a one hitter. You know, I, 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 that's that that's what that is. But this is the major leagues, man. And the guys pitching, throwing a hundred miles an hour, and then hitting a couple bombs just to boot. Like this is crazy. All right, Craig in Vegas had tweeted us. He says Rays have been bad for a month now, short on pen and starting pitching. Also, the offense is back to twenty twenty two levels. Why would we think the Rays would make a move or two? Does the Nelson Cruz move make them gun-shy, seeing how well Joe Ryan is doing with the Twins? Is the front office more focused on stadium? Well, I think you can walk and chew bubble gum. I mean, the guys that are running baseball aren't... Yeah, they're not are, doing the stadium They're not stuff. the ones doing the stadium. That's, that's the ownership. So, um, you know, if you're the GM or you're in the front office, uh, you're focused on making this team better. So I don't think the two are related. The Joe Ryan thing, like you're not always... 
you know, you're going to regret if if you if you're in the business long enough, you're going to give up a player that had success elsewhere. And sometimes that player needed a change of venue, and sometimes maybe you just didn't mm-hmm. give him enough time. Um, but and you got to look at what you got for him when you did it, why you did it, all those things. Um, you know, the Rays, I think, are always going to try to improve their team however they can. Um, so I don't think it's going to make them gun shy. And I, I do think they're going to make a move or two. Look, I, there's, there's a fair discussion to have about this season. It's not over yet, but there's a fair discussion to have as we sit here today, which is um, they got off to this incredible start. It was a magical 13 games. But you know what? In the last two months, they're a sub-500 baseball team. And furthermore, in the last month, um, they're wretched. They have the worst record, okay? And not only that, but it's because of what has always afflicted the Rays, a lack of offense. So it's fair to ask, what's the aberration? You know what I mean? Maybe the teams weren't very good. Maybe they were just really on a roll to start the season because of the World Baseball Classic or whatever. Who knows? Um, But they did what they did. And now you got a longer sample size. You kind of see who they are. And in the words of Denny Green, maybe the Rays are who we thought they were. Um, No time will tell if they can get it together again and make a run for the AL East. And if you win the AL East, which is still the best division in baseball, you're pretty damn good. And, you know, you roll the dice, you take your chances in the playoffs. But there is definitely something to ask is, you know, what's closer to who they really are? And I would think probably what's happened the last two months as opposed to the first two weeks. You know, that's really what it comes down to. Which do you, which team do you believe in that they are? Um, so, yeah, it's a – I still think it's a special year. I still think that, you, you, you know, you have a chance to win a pennant. Um, it's hard to win the East. The Yankees have been a little down. Aaron Judge has been hurt. You know, all these teams could still do it in the next 60 games or so. But I, I still think – you, you want to treat it as if you got a really op, good opportunity to go deep into the postseason, whether you do or not. I don't know. But I think that's their mindset. Um, they're still in a really good position. They still are a gazillion games over 500. You know, they're um, only, what, a game and a half, two games back, depending on whether the Orioles played or not um, and won. So, you know, the race is far, far, far from over. We've got two months to go. Um, so I would, I would go for it, but it is, it is fair to kind of sit back and go, Hmm, what do we really have here? You know, what, what kind of team is this? And we're going to find out, we're going to find out pretty soon. All right. Cognitively dissonant tweeted us said, could the race players that were in the world baseball classic and started off hot be hitting a wall now, specifically Randy Rosarina and Wander Franco, or has the league just adjusted to them? I think it could be one. I think it could be both. I mean, I do think that for the guys that go to the all-star game, there's no break there. And, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, is it an honor to go? Are you hyped up to go? And Randy was in the home run derby and all that. And a lot of people have said, well, that'll change your swing. And there's been plenty of examples of guys having that post home run derby slump. Um, But here's what you don't get. You don't get a break. (laughs) You don't get a break, man. You know, you're on an airplane right after you're done playing your last game during the All-Star break, and, you're, and it was all the way out in Seattle. Um, and, and not just physically, but mentally, you know. Sometimes it helps. In baseball, 
a day off can seem like a week off, you know, because you're playing every single day. Um, so I think mentally they could be a little bit tired. You know, I, I think they they both had really good effort, um, but they're both not swinging the bats very well for a lot of different reasons, but it's just not. And, yeah, I mean, if you look at them, you go, well, what do those two guys have in common? They went to the All-Star game. And, and, and then, you know, a lot of them, I don't know that they're tired from the World Baseball, but you were having competitive at-bats when other guys were, you know, taking three swings and, and going down and, and, you know, running laps in the outfield. I mean, it was, you know, it was a slow ramp up for everybody else, and you were in competitive. Now, that might have accounted for why guys like Wander, or, or I'm sorry, guys like Randy uh, and others that played in the World Baseball uh, situation, why they were much hotter to start the season because they had already had the at-bats, competitive at-bats. There's a difference between spring training, I'm going to hit once and then I'm going to be out, or I'm going to hit twice and I'm going to be out, versus I'm trying to win something and there's pressure, there's there's a title on the line, and, and I'm in the in the flow of the competitive juices right now. They kind of had that advantage, man, when the season started. They were ready. They were already amped up. Um, so maybe that's harder to maintain for them. It was an advantage early. Maybe it's not now. I don't know. But I think I think there's something too. Now, if I if I looked at all the all stars and their stats, the question would be how many of those guys are slumping? You know, you could probably find just as many players that are on fire right now that played in the all star game. Um, but for me, having you know, if you had to drive, if you had to fly all the way out to Seattle and you had zero days off. Uh, even Kevin Cash gave those guys a couple of days off in a row um, just a, about a week or so ago for that very reason. He felt like, well, you know, these guys didn't get a rest. Um, so, yeah, there's probably something to that. All right, rooting for UFS. When does Kevin Cash throw the bats in the shower? I hope he's done it, and if he hasn't, he needs to. I, that's what I would do. I'd go, I'd go all Bull Durham on everybody. I really would. You lollygag in left field. I'd just be, you know, what does that make us? Lollygaggers. I, I'd i be all Bull Durham. You can't change your personality. You can only do it maybe once a season. But, uh, well, you know, Todd Bowles says he has twice a year. He, he gets the upset, monster out. You know, yeah. 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 Problem is yeah. he used it up about week five last year, yeah. and then they, they won in Germany, and it was over. He didn't have any left. Um, yeah, I think, I think it, I think, I think it's good. You know, I mean, it can't be to the point where people don't think you're serious. You know, it's got to take a lot to get you there. Um, and Cash is a very laid back guy and, you know, is sort of the opposite of a guy that's going to throw a tantrum. But if he did, because it's so out of character, it'd get his, get everyone's attention. That's for damn sure. So right about now would be a good time, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Or or burn the bats or do something dramatic like that, you know, where you just go, well, these aren't, you know, what they do in Major League? Bring Joe Boo, you know. Joe Boo, yeah. With the rum and the. Yeah, exactly. Yo, Joe Boo needs a refill. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Light candles like uh, like Annie and Bull Durham. Yeah, you know, like, do, yeah. do something, man. That's what they need to do. I'm all for it. Baseball's like, guys in baseball are weird now. The guy. The most superstitious players I've ever seen, and there's a, there's some in every sport, but I think the most superstitious guys I've ever seen are in baseball. I really do. I think so. All right, we'll end on this one. Jonathan had uh, emailed you this question, actually. Have you watched the quarterback series on Netflix? If so, what were your thoughts on it? I found it very entertaining and insightful. I also got a better understanding of why Tom Brady got rid of the ball so quick last season. 
If he got hit as much as and violently as Kirk Cousins did last year, Tom would not have lasted the season. You know, I have watched it, and I will say this: if you watch it, um, and it's it's produced by uh, Peyton Manning's group, Omaha, Omaha. Um, so, so it's Kirk Cousins, it's Marcus Mariota, and it's Patrick Mahomes. They followed those three guys throughout last season um, in sort of a, you know, sort of a uh, NFL films way, sort of a hard knocks way in a sense, both home, home and at the stadium and stuff, different events. And, and this is my takeaway from it. Kirk Cousins came out of this as one of the most likable players in the league. I'm not kidding you. Whatever you thought of Kirk Cousins, I, I thought he was a good quarterback, but really, he's kind of, first of all, he's kind of a dork, you know, but he knows it. <laughs> and so, uh, and not a snappy dresser, and maybe that's his wife's fault. I don't know. She shops at Target. But, um, but the thing is, here's what you know. He's really good. And you know what else? He's really tough. Like, he's right about those hits. And more so than any series I've seen, because they play these over and over and you hear the sound, and they don't, you know, usually we see a quarterback get hit, you know, go down, or he'll get hit, you know, grab his ribs and walk off to the sideline. But you don't hear him. Well, these guys are mic'd up. And so what you now see and hear is the pain that they're in. And he starts wincing and groaning, and he's getting his ribs lit up. And I'm telling you, you feel it, and he he is one tough son of a gun. This cat will stand in there, take an absolute butt whipping, and deliver the ball, look down the barrel, and deliver the ball accurately, and win games because of it. And players love that. They love that about him. He's courageous as hell. Um, and they had a really, really good season last year. That was the other thing. Like they, At one point, they were like 7-2 and two or something. Um, they had a good football team, uh, and... You know, one day Kirk Cousins is going to break through and, and go deep, and maybe he gets to a Super Bowl. I don't know. He's a really good quarterback. Um, you know, Mahomes is a freak. We know that. Uh, one of the most likable guys that's ever played in the NFL, just as a human being, just just super consistent. You know, married his high school sweetheart who was actually older than him. Uh, she didn't want to date him at first, which is sort of surprising, but um, – you know, they show their family life. And then Mariota's a good dude, too. Now, the weird thing about Mariota is when they got to the end of the season and they were going to bench him, he just took off, which was strange. I didn't quite get that. And and you kind of see how he's been sort of exhausted by the journey. You know, he's another guy like Jameis, you know, second overall, goes to Tennessee, plays some really good football at times. It didn't work out there, ends up with the Raiders for a year or two, kind of reinvigorates him a little bit and playing sort of a – specialty role at times in the red zone behind Derek Carr and he gets to Atlanta where Arthur Smith had been in Tennessee and so Smith had a good feel for him and he gets the starting job and eventually they have to turn to the kid and, and then you know he's done and he just kind of disappears so all their stories are unique they're all different um, it was great to have a superstar Cousins which is pretty much a high run quarterback and then Mariota who's the the struggling guy right whose career is sort of on its way out or down, but um, fascinating. I can't wait to see who does it next. I guess Joe Burrow said he doesn't want to do it this year, but Joe Cool would be great. Um, injury today notwithstanding, but really enjoyed it, and I'm telling you, if you come out of this with anything, it's going to be – I kind of like Kirk Cousins, man. He's a really good dude and a really good quarterback. All right, thanks for the questions. You can send those to us anytime you want to. Just send them to us on Twitter at SportsDateTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. 
The Rays, as we mentioned, will be in Houston to take on the Astros. The Astros are playing good baseball. This will be another tough series for the Rays as they begin this uh, nine-game road trip in 10 days. And then the Bucks will be back at it day three of uh, training camp. I guess it'll be Baker Mayfield's turn today to take the number one reps. And so the quarterback battle continues before long. They will be in pads. Um, and then I believe their next day, I want to say the next day off might be Monday of next week, but we'll have to see. Uh, there will be fans in the stands, some season ticket holders, uh, people like that. I think some special days with friends and family over the weekend. So oh, the general public is not invited to this one, but at least it'll, it'll definitely pump up the volume in the atmosphere and, and players like that. So thanks for listening. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. 